This is Weekly Woman by Jubilance for PMS. Hi, everyone. It's Alice Cash, your host of Weekly Woman, presented to you by Jubilance for PMS. Welcome to the show this week. I'm so excited to have you listening and here for part of it is one of my friends that I've known since preschool, and we're talking to her today about being a teacher, her love of The Bachelor, our mutual love, and what is up with schooling right now in this crazy, crazy world. I'm a proud feminist, healthcare advocate, taboo breaker on periods, and a huge Bachelor fan. I know, I know, one of those doesn't seem to go with this list, but let me explain. I love The Bachelor. I love it. It's the one day of the week where I get to zone out, relax with friends, and see everyone and talk about our weeks, and to talk about how this seemingly unfeminist show sparks our own notions of womanhood. Every Tuesday night, my girls and I have a long-standing appointment to watch the trashiest show on television. I know, right now, we're not inside my apartment, but we watch it from six feet apart on a screen in my backyard. It really works. I highly recommend it. For me, it was all about forcing all of my friends to get in on the beauty of romance. For others, it's about hanging out once a week. And for some, it's about the kick-ass cheese plate that I always make. But what we really get out of it is time together as friends to check in once a week about our lives. It's not about the show. It's about talking through our work weeks, talking about the politics of the time, and analyzing our own love lives. We're a group of girls that gets together once a week to have the space to analyze womanhood, talk periods and birth control, and moan about dating in New York City, especially during a pandemic. For us, The Bachelor is our time to be present with each other. The Bachelor itself is an interesting analysis of tensions in our modern society. The push and pull of the right woman, the right reasons, the right to be a part of this reality programming. It's interesting to see how the women interact with one another, who lifts each other up, who's in it for the win. As my girlfriends and I sit around watching, we ultimately grow closer as we evaluate how we would behave if we were selected, the questions we would answer or not tolerate, and the absurdity of this situation. What does it mean to be a female on The Bachelor? Ultimately, it means being a commodity, inhabiting that stereotypical quality of femaleness and beauty, and fighting towards a goal of marriage. My group of girls encompasses so many varieties of women, from lawyers to doctors to filmmakers to designers to a teacher that we're talking to later. Our femaleness is us coming together each week to put the show on in the background and articulate our own goals for careers, dreams, and fine friendship. The Bachelor may not be the most feminist of shows, but how we come together through the show is how I spend my feminist Tuesday nights. Anyway, I can't wait to talk to my Bachelor friend and what a queen she is. Welcome, Andrea. Andrea Bunn is a third through fifth grade humanities teacher in Alameda up in the Bay Area of California, who's currently the union rep at her school. She's now well into the school year in this crazy landscape, and we're hearing from this teacher on her perspective. Andrea is originally from San Diego, and she attended UCSB, where she majored in Spanish and minored in educational studies. She went on to attend Mills College and obtained her multiple subjects... (laughs) 
and obtain her multiple subjects teaching credential. She's bilingual in Spanish, spending time in Barcelona and Nicaragua. And when she's not teaching, she's enjoying yoga, puzzles, and time outdoors. We're so excited to have her on today. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you, Alice. You make me sound so good. You are so good. That's why you're on this, obviously. Thanks. Super happy to be here. Thanks. Um, so we kind of start off with some more fun questions. I know you're like an avid yogi. Um, what is your favorite place to practice? Sorry, the dog popped off. Scout. She's been quiet all day. Um, my favorite place to practice, I was a big fan of Core Power Yoga, which is a national yoga chain that probably a lot of people are familiar with. Um, because I like the heated yoga practice. Like I love just like sweating a ton with the room that's like 96 degrees. I know I see your eyes, Alice. Yeah, that sounds horrible. I think it's crazy, but I really have enjoyed that. Um, Since California shut down in March, I've been doing my own practice, like using videos online or just going with my, like going through a flow by myself. And one of my favorite instructors from core power is starting to do outdoor like backyard classes or like at a park or an open space wow that's been great um yeah wow that's really cool that would be so lovely to do it outside especially in california where it's so nice all the time (laughs) yeah and it's just so good to be like with a group of usually a group of women who are spaced out accordingly but still together in the sunshine yeah. Thing that feels good. When I was back in San Diego, I did um a spinning class that was outside. They just like moved all the bikes out like in Carmel Valley in a parking lot, which was really weird, but it was so nice to just like say hello to that person next to you even though like you're wearing a mask, but I was like so starved for conversation. I think that was my favorite part. Definitely not the exercising, but spinning with a mask on sounds hard because like the deeper breathing. Yeah, it wasn't great, but <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, <gasps> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> um, what is your favorite board game or puzzle? I've been real. I've been really into jigsaw puzzles for a while. Um, most recently, I bought one of the murder mystery puzzles, where it comes with a storyline, and then you have to solve. You have to put the puzzles together. And the puzzle does not look like the box. And oh, that's hard. Put together the clues to um, figure out like what happened. This was a Titanic themed one. <gasps> that um, sounds so but, fun. But I haven't finished it. I got a little <laughs> um, distracted from that one. You have a lot going on. <laughs> I have a lot going on. I've done a few since um, shelter in place since the shutdown. But um, yeah, I love that. I love me some Scrabble. Huh. I can tell you can't relate, but you're smiling. And you know, it. yeah, that can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually, like, realized that I had no hobbies before this, like, none, because I was just too busy, I think. <laughs> you're like, no, that's not I true. Just don't, I just disagree what I know about you, Alice. <laughs> like, well, I did theater, and that wasn't, I wouldn't say it was a hobby. And, like, events, I would say that was, like, a lifestyle. Okay. <laughs> I guess a ho- like what's your definition of a hobby? Is well, it's like like crafts and like board games and like 
reading. I guess I read a lot, but um, but now I play board games, Andrea. I'm patient enough to play board games now. I'm so impressed. I mean, you have more time, right? So. <laughs> Life has changed. <laughs> slow down. What a lesson. Yeah. Also, what? have you been watching the newest Bachelorette season? Absolutely. Wait, yeah. it's so good. It's it's definitely unprecedented, as Chris Harrison likes to say. The most dramatic season ever. Yeah, um, I yeah, I dragged Rayhan back into watching the season. He hasn't <gasps> watched for a while, um, and I actually haven't really watched for a while. But like now, there's just you Nothing know, I, I need to some do. light, fluffy content. <laughs> yeah. I know. I need the love stories to like actually really work. Like usually I feel like I'm very cynical, but this time I'm like, I just need a fairy tale. <laughs> like, please work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we were joking that because this last one, right, she was already so enamored with like the first guy from the horseback riding date. Yeah. Like, let's just That's keep bringing true. them in. Let's just keep bringing them in. <laughs> Finding more couples and. Yeah, that could be fun. Change the game. Yeah. Make it a different type of TV show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually had I actually applied for Samantha to be part of the cast for The Bachelor <laughs> this year. You applied for Samantha. Yeah, I applied for okay. Samantha to be on know? like the ma- no, she didn't. I just pretended to be her and I was like, I love volleyball. I'm like super fit and fabulous. <laughs> she didn't get chosen I think it's because she lives in Switzerland but um I was very offended that she didn't get a call i.e I didn't get a call pretending to be her (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah the whole like across the world thing might have been a problem who knows Um, and so you're living in um, Alameda now. Can you talk a little bit about your city and where are your favorite places to go when not in quarantine? Not in quarantine. Um, I love Alameda because I love the East Bay so much. It's the East Bay of the San Francisco Bay for everyone. I used to live in Oakland for a long time and I recently moved to Alameda. And one of the reasons I love it is it's like the beachiest place in the East Bay. We have a beach. Wow. Um, the beach is the bay. It's nothing compared to the beaches you and I grew up with. We were so spoiled, but it's still like a place I can ride my bike over and just like see the water. It's a really big popular kite surfing and kiteboarding destination. Huh. We'll be out doing that. And wow. Um, so definitely going to hang out at the beach. Um, my girlfriend and I have been going to the park to roller skate. The basketball courts have been closed. Huh. Use that space to roller skate, which has been really fun. Cool. Um, that's a new hobby. And let's see. Yeah, I love going out to eat. There's so much good food in the Bay Area. So, Have you been able, like, are the restaurants open in your area or are they all outside? I know in New York, it's just like the streets are just filled with restaurants now. They've done a lot of that where they've built out into like the bike lane. Oh, okay. And like put barricades on like more like main street eating areas. Um, for the most part, we're still, we're still doing takeout. Okay. Um, just as personal preference or like taking it, eating it. Yeah, me too. You kind of find like the restaurants that aren't busy, that the tables are really well spaced, that kind of thing and figure it out. Yeah, that makes sense. 
So we've got to stop and talk about our sponsor, Gbilance for PMS. It's a daily supplement that helps you be you. Gbilance is an over-the-counter nutritional supplement shown in clinical trials to relieve the emotional symptoms of PMS. That means less stress, anxiety, and more of getting back to your life. You deserve to be your best self all month long. And thanks to modern science, PMS is now optional. It's the first and only product for emotional PMS backed by real science with double-blind, placebo-controlled, peer-reviewed studies. And it works. I work for Jubilance because I'm here to help women, and this is the real deal. Jubilance isn't just a product. It's a global mission to make PMS mood swings a thing of the past. The Jubilance Sisterhood is a movement of thousands of strong women escaping the PMS struggle with science, sharing, and communal support. We're here for you each week with stories of amazing women, your weekly playlist on Spotify, and for you to dish and cry about periods on our Facebook group. So why not give Jubilance a try? Go to www.jubilance.com to learn more. And you're a teacher during this time. Can you talk a little bit about like being a union rep and deciding how you guys were going to go back to school? Um, yeah, it's been unbelievably difficult. Obviously, this time has been really difficult for everyone. Um, I actually signed up to be our union chair. So it's the equivalent to like the president of our union. Wow. Um, last year, partly because... No one else wanted to do it. Um, my friend was the vice chair, my friend and colleague. And then the chair, the previous chair, he was leaving to work at a different school. And so she was in charge of like emailing out to everyone. And of the people who were nominated, I was the only person who responded saying, I'd do it. Like it's a really <laughs> big unpaid commitment. Yeah. Um, and especially this time, but that was back in August of 2019. So like, I was like, yeah, sure. Just once a month, you like lead a meeting. And the first half of the year was that like, we would just like decide which food to get for the meeting on Wednesdays once a month. And it was a great wow. experience, but not a ton of work. And then everything shifted because we had to, you know, teach from home and then negotiate what it's going to look like to go back in person. And that process has been was a lot of work over the summer, lots of meetings to negotiate that, lots of meeting with um, other unions in the area to figure out what their unions are negotiating to be on the same page um, and really make sure wow. that we're having the safest environment possible for our staff and for our, our kiddos, ultimately for our students. Um, July was particularly hard because that before Newsom came out saying that schools were not allowed to open, our administration was really pushing to open wow. in July, and, and we, none of our teachers wanted that, right? We did not want that to happen, and then fortunately, like, a week later after, like, we were having all these going into, like, late in the night Zoom meetings, um, he came out with that, saying that until you were in the red tier I believe there's been a lot of systems but it was the color tier system and when you're in this tier then you for two weeks then you could open schools and so that was a huge relief um and fast forward to now we've come up with a, a memorandum of understanding an MOU an agreement between our admin and our union huh. um, about going back and kindergarten through second grade is going to go back January 7th in a hybrid model, like 
small classes, half size classes as wow. of now, obviously like, yeah, who knows? November. It's November. Who knows? Um, and I'm supposed to go back in the classroom January 14th. Wow. Half size classes. Um, wow. We'll see. I'm so glad you're in California. In New York, they've gone back to school. I mean, albeit like um, not all the time. I think there's like a system in place. So they're going part-time um, and some are, some have chosen to just go virtually, but the teachers are back in the classroom and back there. And like, there's talk of shutting down the schools because we're at like the 3% where um, Cuomo, our governor said that if the if we get to the cases being at 3% of all the tests that are going every week, then they would shut down the schools, but he hasn't shut them yet, but it's so dangerous for everyone involved. Yeah. It's, it's concerning. Um, but ultimately like I, yeah, I don't know. We, we recently learned that we are going to get tested every two weeks at our school at work on site. Wow. The, the 24 hour response, which is not what we're seeing in local school districts. And I think that really is just such a gift of being at this smaller charter school. Wow. Um, because it's, it's a lot for a giant school district to pay for. Yeah. Um, but we're the smaller school. Um, we tried to push for testing students, but they're saying that it's just too expensive. Hmm. Um, Personally, I don't think that should be off the table yet. Yeah. Um, but it is a relief to know that staff will be regularly tested. Like I know from other people sharing with me like experiences where is their, you know, their son's preschool and they caught it with the teacher testing and they were able to shut down for a certain amount of time and then reopen safely. And so that gives me hope. That's good. Um, yeah. Well, I know, um, Gretchen, my sister, um, she is at the BBC and they said they were going to go back in September. It's just like November. Then they said January. And then last week they just said that they're going to go back like in the spring sometime. So I would hope and guess that you guys will continue to be virtual as well. I hope. I know like all the New York businesses are saying next summer. Um, We'll see. I mean, as long as like our county numbers stay low, like that's what we're looking at. Like, I think it's the right decision. But gotcha. as we're reading that it's like the numbers are going up almost everywhere, like nationwide. I honestly haven't checked the Alameda numbers like recently. Um, yeah, so we'll see. But yeah, it's, it's really hard because we also really need kids back in classrooms. Like I'm seeing the negative effects of kids being out of their classrooms mm. and it's just really widening the the achievement gap between the students who have more resources at home who have parents that can help them who have like consistent technology access all those things and those who don't um yeah that makes sense that's so really tough it's pretty heartbreaking um so. yeah oh i'm so sorry you're dealing with that Thank you for teaching everyone. They need a happy, fun teacher like you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. What What are you guys reading in humanities in in one of your grades? 
Is are they are they reading some like fun books at least? You know, I I wish I could say they were fun. I don't know. Do you remember when we were in Mother Daughter Book Club back in the day? You and me and the gals and the moms. Um, we read Esperanza Rising. I loved that book. Yeah, so that is one of our fourth grade like. Oh my gosh. We always read that in fourth grade, partly because fourth grade standards are to do like state history. So it connects mm. to California geography, California history. Um, so we're reading that with fourth grade and I love it, but it's also like a pretty heartbreaking story at times. Yeah. Um, and third grade, we read a book called My Name is Maria Isabel, which is about an immigrant girl from Puerto Rico and her experience. Mm going to school in the United States. Wow. Um, in fifth grade, we're reading I Am Malala, but the Young Readers Edition. What? Which That's I have cool. class before, and it's been really, really fun. Um, wow. Like, intense. The content is intense, but the kids are just, like, really rising to the occasion of discussing this text and learning about, you know, education inequities in Pakistan. And Wow. It's been good. So we've been we've been focusing on those right now. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um, and where do you see education going in the future? Is it gonna be do you think it's gonna be more on more online? I I think like everything in our world, like we're realizing how much we can do online, right? From this experience. Yeah. Um and it has been interesting to see certain kids that are more successful with what we call distance learning, right? Learning from home, um, maybe because some of the social challenges of being in a whole, like a classroom of 20 to 30 kids, mm -hmm. um, are those aren't there anymore. And so they're able to really focus on their learning. But um, where do I see it going? I mean, I think, I think we really need to take advantage of this time where we've been asked to reimagine schools and not really think of it as try to flip it and not be so so negative like it's really not working but when we come back be like what let's use this as like almost a, a fresh start to reimagine what a school can look like and what learning can look like um and how how we engage kids and how we what we prioritize too like I think we're realizing this year more than ever like how important social emotional learning is mm. which, you know teaching kids about social interactions and their feelings and self expression and and resilience right because that's wow yeah really this year um, and so I know fortunately I'm at a school that really prioritizes social emotional learning but um, in the past I've been at schools that that didn't so much it was very much data-driven test scores, like got to get the test scores higher, which is understandable. Like those schools are under a lot of pressure to keep their test scores higher, to, to get funding and to, you know, provide opportunity for kids. But really like this allows us to kind of take a step back and be like, what's actually the most important right now? Hmm. Like this year, we want the kids to feel safe. We want them to feel feel loved we want to know that they're learning are they meeting all of the standards of their grade level this year like that's not happening right now this year wow really Ugh, that's, yeah i mean that's it's not so bad crazy, but some it just we're having a lot less instruction time huh yeah that um, makes sense 
And oh, when we're back in a hybrid model, like the kids will be on campus two days a week, opposed to the five days a week. And they have alternative learning assignments when they're home without the facilitator, without the teacher, but it's still like not the same amount of. Yeah, that makes time. sense. Um, are kids going to have to like redo this year? What, what, what are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think it's just going to fall to the teachers to work on like catching kids up, doing some air quotes, but like, wow. Yeah. And and I think it's going to have to be this understanding, at least at the elementary level that like some of those skills that would maybe normally be, be totally, um, grasp at a certain grade really will need to be reinforced at the beginning of next year. Hmm. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, I do wonder about like at a high school level where where your your grading really matters in terms of like college acceptance, obviously, and next steps in life. Like when I'm writing, making the report cards, which I'm working on right now, they're due next week. As a teacher, I don't feel like the stakes are quite so high. Like I can yeah. kind of bump them up if I know that they've been working really hard because they're third graders, right? Yeah. Or, and then at the conference, just tell the parents, like, you know, these grades are reflecting their work at home. So, like, it might be higher, it might be lower than what they do in the classroom. Hmm. Um, Why did you decide to go into third grade and fifth through fifth grade? I know you were in first grade at one point. Um, What's been your favorite grade to teach? um, I mean, I adored first grade. I love working with kids that age, but it's really a really challenging grade because there's so much pressure to get the kids learning or learning, of course, learning, but reading is what I meant to say. Oh, wow. That's the year where like early literacy is like for kindergarten, first grade. Um, And so I found that I really, really do enjoy third grade. Like they're still have this innocence where they want to please their teacher and they they're for the most part really excited about being at school Hmm. um, and like learning and they're not hormonal and sassy yet like (laughs) to be um so i do i really like that age oh that's awesome andrea oh that's lovely um and something that we always ask on this podcast is what is your definition of womanhood What is my definition of womanhood? Hmm. I feel like womanhood is being your authentic self as a woman, like however that manifests for you. Um, And having, you know, having the strength and to be your authentic self, which is hard. Um, yeah, and when I think of womanhood, I think of I think of the strength of so many women I know, both in the books that I'm reading with my kids right now. I think of Malala. I think of our mothers, your mother, my mother. I think of you know, our, our current vice president elect. Um, and I, it's just, it's such a wide range. Like womanhood can be anything you want it to be. Right. 
Yeah. The idea that women can be whoever mm-hmm. they want to be. I think that's awesome. I love that. Like you can be whatever you want to be or whoever you want to be. Uh, yeah, it's so cheesy, but it's no, I love it. I think that's great. Collection. <laughs> I I think that's wonderful. Yes, Kamala. <laughs> uh, yes, and um, what if you met a woman on the street and you just had like one sentence to give her of advice? Um, what would you say? There's no context at all. Yeah, you just like meet her on the street. Hello. No, you could have some context. Like you could know her. Like what? What's a piece of advice you would give? Um, I mean, I would just say like you are okay. You are more than okay. You are amazing. You are doing amazing things. Um, I would just build her up. You know, let her know that she is loved and that she is awesome. And that she matters and tell her to keep wearing a mask. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Wear a mask. Yeah. <laughs> um, Andrea, is there anything else you'd like to add to our listeners today? No, this is just so much fun. I was nervous before, obviously. Um, but I just, I am so grateful to get to talk to you, Alice, and that you're in my life. Yay. One of the women that inspires me regularly. That's very um, nice. <laughs> yeah. So thank you everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.